I know it's late, but it's still Tuesday, guys. So this week on Mrs. Brightside, we talk about the bright side of failure. Yes, there is one. And um, if you hear about the stories of what's been happening for the past couple weeks with me and uh, my guest, Joelle Monique, you will see that there is light in the dark and the bright side of failure. Thanks for listening. And here you go. It's Mrs. Brightside. Uh, open up the curtains. Look outside. What's outside? It's Mrs. Brightside. Hey guys, you're listening to Mrs. Brightside. As always, I'm your host, Lucretia Lyon, and with me this week is Joelle Monique. Hey, Lucretia. Mm. What's up? Hey. And of course, like pretty well everyone else on this podcast, we know each other through after buzz tv sure do. <laughs> a whole bunch of shows we miss you on gotham oh god i miss gotham because it was a fun show to do all the time because it's a fun show to watch it's like really dumb fun like plus our uh, fans are amazing like yeah. just the people that clue in every week the hashtag it's gotham is always hilarious and, yeah yeah no it's just good times well, uh, you know, my schedule has uh, freed up, so maybe... Uh, Get the in show. there. Come yeah. here, chat girl on the couch, Lucretia. <laughs> yeah, I can do that, yeah. I would love that. Also, it would be fun because our, our two new hosts, who are super great, um, but they don't know anything about Batman. And oh. so it's, like, hilarious because me and Steve will be like, oh, my gosh, Batman, Batman, did you know? And then in the comments, and they're like, I don't like this new Poison Ivy. <laughs> what? And it's so good. It's really cool because the fans who don't aren't into Batman, but like the show. But yeah, so they're they just really know nothing about Batman, huh? They don't. But you know what? That it it's I love it. I love that they get to ask questions. I love that we get to have conversations and explain, especially for people who you know may not know. That's something oftentimes they would skip because we'd be like, of course you know, like these eight characters. Why would we delve into their history? So it's a really all rounder show now. It's fun, but yeah, we could definitely use some some sassy Lucretia <laughs> reading sexy. Sexy messages from fans. <laughs> yes, I love to do my jazz voice, and at least on this podcast, it's mine, so I just get to do that. Yeah. I'm uh, jazzy like Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> but I could talk about Jeff Goldblum and Gotham all day long, uh, but this has got to be the bright side of something that sucks, or mm. just isn't that great, and they're too awesome. So, um, yeah, this is the bright side of failure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so, to recap my week... For those who don't know, uh, the patriarch of my family died. My apartment flooded. I was robbed. I quit my job. I lost my job. At, I left my other job, which was Black Girl Nerds, because of the implosion of FanCon. And um, the leadership there was heavily involved with FanCon. And I didn't think it was a good space to grow or develop any longer. So I left. And... Then I looked up and I said, my laptop is gone, so I don't have that thing I work on a lot. Uh, I left a pretty good paying job, uh, partially because of ego, partially because of lack of organization. And again, I just didn't feel like I could grow any further in there. And now I have no like guaranteed income. Uh, I still have to figure out how I'm going to replace this damn computer. I still have to finish filing a police report because the police are slow as hell. It has been a week of humongous failures and um, I, I call it the gauntlet of adulting. Yeah, I mean, and that when it rains, it pours. Yeah, I, right. yeah, and the thing is, especially here in LA, the police department. I mean, 
it sucks and it's certainly great to you but a lot of times the reason they're you know because well they're dealing with murders and they're like somebody dead and it's just like it, it's a good and bad problem I guess yeah. that we're like um we have yeah. to prioritize yeah. the dead sure yeah. okay. get that yeah. get that uh I still feel you know not as much of a victim obviously I get to breathe the next day but yeah. you know it it does suck to not be able to tell your story and and feel like if there's going to be action taken. Well, but yeah. at the same time, you know, it's a computer. It's not that hard to replace. They're expensive, but it's not impossible. Um, well, and luckily, you know, nowadays we have the ability to back up online and access and, and so much like, so as much as it sucks, like we have the technology now to where if we do lose it, we have that. But like, you know, especially being a, a writer like yourself, I mean, your laptop is your your livelihood. And, you know, LAPD doesn't take that seriously. But you could do like that one guy and just say that the guy had a gun and all that, and it'll help them go, <laughs> get on it faster. I mean, they, they wound up killing the guy, so the laptop, Oops. but... Yeah, I feel like, I think we have it on on a tape, which is hilarious. We, <laughs> we found the guy, it's two in the morning, he's on a bicycle rickshaw. Uh, so he can't go very fast if we do find him. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens. But at this point, I was like, you know what? It's awful, but it is what it is. Um, and I'm so ready to move on from like the thing was like, I feel like if I had just been hit by one of those things, I'd still be like depressed and upset about it. Like yeah. if it had just been the computer, or if it had just been you know the fan con implosion, or if it had just been the flooding in my apartment, it would have been like, dang. Bad things always happen. This is so rough. But having have it all at once, I'm like, well, damn, the world sucks. But I gotta, I have things to do now. There's a lot of things that have to get taken care of if I'm going to continue to support myself. So I better just move on and get over it. Yeah, and, and that is sort of the bright side of when when the shit starts hitting the fan all at once is that you are sometimes more capable of dealing with the things as they come in because you're already in that I'm dealing with this mode. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so one more thing is just one more thing and you just got to keep going. You just got to get past it. Yeah. And too, like you, you know, like we say, I mean, these things are bad, but like with FanCon, for example, like there's so many people out money and out livelihoods and, you know, all of that because of this, because I know I was supposed to go as well. And luckily all I'm out is a, plane ticket but it's southwest so i can use the money you know i'm like look i'm good i feel bad for all these creators who you know put their lives on the line for this i feel yeah. like we should explain fancon to those who don't oh yeah know what it is uh so fancon was a convention that was organized by a bunch of like minorities and people of color um the disabled were heavily involved like every like queer people um the whole gambit of folks who are often seen as outsiders came together and said, we're going to throw a convention for us. We're going to highlight creators that represent our communities, and we're going to come together in a 24-hour celebration of good times. We'll throw it at the Baltimore Convention Center. We're going to have video games and sing-alongs and celebrity interviews and panels. It was like this huge extravaganza. Now, anybody who's thrown a convention before uh, will know that this is a, a monumental task, but... I honestly felt that the people involved had been to enough, had been involved enough in communities that getting people in wasn't going to be a problem. 
Yeah, if people know you, they're willing to come. I mean, I was lucky. I was going to be screening a movie, Death House, and Mm -hmm. that's because I had sort of, you know, got to know the director, and, it, you know, I'm in the horror community. But that's the thing, is people were trusting them on their word because they'd already built these relationships in this community. Yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, they gave away a lot of tickets for almost nothing, lifetime tickets for 10 bucks. Not a smart deal. Yeah. Uh, when you're trying to build a convention, they did not crowdfund for enough to initially launch such a large convention. You would really need to have closer to a million dollars. Um, if you think about the convention floor itself is two fifty, then you want to dress and decorate that. That's a decorator plus decorations. That's maybe another seventy k. You got to bring in your celebrities. You need hotels for those celebrities. You need hotels for your panelists. Like expenses add up so quickly. Yeah, because I was promised a hotel, and I'm like, seriously? Yeah. I mean, like... There was no, there was no hotels ever going to happen. Yeah. Uh, $56,000, I think, is what they raised on Kickstarter, or GoFundMe, Kickstarter. Uh, and then I think they got a little bit of money from governments, local city agencies, uh, maybe a grant or two. Not nearly enough to support the foundation of the convention. And then, a week before it was supposed to happen, uh, mostly through Twitter, so if you're not on Twitter, you may not know... But um, the hotel began canceling reservations, to which people thought, gosh, there must be some horrible mistake. What's going on? Turned out the convention was canceled. No one, including guests, panelists, hosts, were alerted to this changing situation. And that's how they found out, through Twitter. And it wasn't until yesterday or the day before, so we're now the day before the convention starts, uh, oh, hey, so we know some of you already know, but we're not going to be able to have the convention, which means people boarded flights, which means people didn't have enough time to cancel their hotels. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, well, what does this have to do with you and, and why does it affect you? I was not attending FanCon. I was not on the board for FanCon, but I was a writer for two and a half years for Black Girl Nerds. Our founder, Jamie Brownax, was uh, heavily involved in the creation and organization of the convention. And the lack of leadership there brought up a lot of lack of leadership we were seeing within our own organization. Um, I hang with a girl with a crew of like 35 brilliant black female writers and one very cool Latinx male writer (laughs) who loves us and supports us endlessly. Um, And our community was gone. And I don't know, um, I imagine a lot of people who listen to this are our what I call internet bunnies, or people who live maybe about half of their life within the internet. Who doesn't um, now? You know, that's true. Some people are like, that's crazy. I feel like you're always on your phone. I'm like, I am, but like, know that I'm, I'm not wasting time. I'm connecting with people. Most of the jobs I earn are through Twitter. Um, most of my friendships that have, were not made at After Buzz or in college are from Twitter. Um, it's a yeah, legitimate same. community. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's a, so you know, like, it's a legitimate community. It's a place where when I'm having, a, especially if I'm having a bad day and I don't want to bring it to somebody who I'm going to see the next day, you know what I mean? Because sometimes you got to just put on a brave face and do your job. Yeah. But uh, I suffer from anxiety and depression, and so my internet friends are great to turn to to be like, hey, like, I'm having a really bad, like, hour. Can we just, like, chat for a minute? I don't know what's happening, but it's it's bad. And they can talk you through it, and it's like, there's love and support in that, and that's what Black Girl Nerds was. Yeah, and that's so sad because we're seeing a lot of communities, you know, hurt uh, by this convention and all the promises and, you know, of course, all the loss of money. But one of the 
bright sides of it is how many people have come together, like, you know, in support of people losing, you know, money on this and this going out. Like, I'm seeing outpouring of support from Mm. other cons and uh, just people. So, you know, that's always a good thing. Uh, Maybe we can drop it in, like, the uh, show notes or something. But there's a digital panel that's been hosted on Twitch uh, one person is hosting it uh, from all over the country, I believe. People are just in their homes. They're going to dial into this specific Twitch channel, and they'll be streaming their panels, which is actually almost cooler because now you can reach, like, an infinite fan base, and it's recorded for posterity forever, uh, so people have access to it. That's one really beautiful... And that came from volunteers who were affected, but, again, not part of the organization. Yeah. Um, the Legion of Women Writers reached out to almost all the black girl nerds who left the organization and said, come be a part of our fold. Here are some editors you can talk to. We'll help you with pitching. What are you currently writing that needs a home? Did you do interviews for BGN that you don't want published there? Where can we send those? It is amazing how people have come together to support you know, not just the former writers of BGN, but also, like, the artists who lost money. Artist Alley was created on Tumblr for any artist that was supposed to be there. Like, purchased a bunch of your own merchandise to sell. Come sell it here. You still have a place. And a lot of people just took the time, people who weren't even going to go to FanCon, to spend money on these people who are really hurting. Um, and it makes me hopeful. Uh, we ComCon. Uh, which is the pop-up that was created out of the remnants of FanCon. So a bunch of people got together and said, look, we're still going to be in Baltimore. Our rooms and hotels and flights and everything have already been paid for. Let's just go and let's still celebrate us. So they're having events there now, actively as we speak. Um, I, I posted immediately after the dumpster fire of last week. Like, mm. I want a community to return to because people were rightfully so angry and there was a lot of tearing down of people and it got really ugly but my friends came to me and they said look you can't tear away something that we've we're all a part of um our community stands because we stand um and I thought that was really beautiful and as terrible as terrible as that week was this coming week is full of so much promise that like it almost feels like a blessing almost yeah, I mean, we literally woke up this morning and we're in front of David Tennant. I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> his smiley, happy ass self. Yeah. Who knew David Tennant had so much radiant joy? I guess because I'm not like a huge Doctor Who person. Like a lot of Doctor Who people are like, yeah, me neither. But I just find him so charming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's very charming. We both yeah. like villains more than we like heroes. Oh yeah, and so like you know the purple man, I was like, oh, kill oh Grace. my, <laughs> you are great. Like not. <laughs> Not that you would want the purple man in your life, but just in watching him, you're like, oh, that's pretty great what you're doing there. Uh, in the movie, we saw uh, Bad Samaritan, which he's very much like Kilgrave in this. And that's why I'm like, you'll have very confusing feelings for a very bad man. <laughs> yeah. As you, especially he's into whips and chains, ladies. It's a lot to process. And apparently he puts it down. Oh, that character has a lot happening. <laughs> but David Tennant pulls it off pretty flawlessly and also with a lot of humor, which I did not expect. It's uh, that I guess that's my whole point. Is yeah. Like this job came out of the cancellation of FanCon. Somebody said exactly hey, that was always I know you're for yeah. work, and then it came, and then we were feet away from David Tennant, and I don't think it gets better than that. Yeah, that's me. I'm like, screw FanCon. Glad that didn't happen. I got to see David Tennant yeah. today, and any man with big ears, beady eyes, and you put the queen on your money, I'm there. <laughs> that was my type, <laughs> and he's funny. Yeah, totally funny. 
And Dean Devlin, like, it does the librarians as well. He directed this movie. And, you know, it is a horror movie, but there's a lot of funny elements, too. Because, you know, uh, Dean Devlin and uh, Brandon Boyce, who wrote the film, you know, it's not just a scary movie, guys. It's layered, like Scream. Well, and support independent cinema. Like, well, these are some names and they're attached to some big properties, but it's all independently funded, independently distributed. Uh, I just feel like... As we look at the YouTube generation and a lot more people trying to create their own artwork, I'm 100% for putting money directly into the creator's pockets. Like, forget the middleman, forget a distributor, forget a rights person, like, make the art, get it to the people. Yeah, and, and, you know, you need to support the art. And, uh, you know, the movie Bad Samaritan comes out May 4th. Um, so, yeah, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> if you're not at Disneyland, which I'm really trying to get in. Oh, my God. Have oh. you heard about Star Wars Nights? Uh, yeah, but I'll be in Texas for Texas Frightmare Weekend. Okay, well, you're going to have a blast. Yeah. I need someone oh, yeah. to seat me into Disneyland. Where are the weak spots? How do I get a Disneyland uniform and badge so I can just swipe, get in, jump that shit in the bushes? And then enjoy my Star Wars film night. I feel like I deserve it. I feel like if you dressed up as a costume character, maybe you could sneak in. I'm going to be both fit. Yeah. Just going to like slither in. Mm-hmm. Like, don't mind me. I'm busy. Sign an autograph. Yeah, because Disney's too expensive. I've never been because I'm like, I don't have that kind of money. There's a way to get press badges that we can talk about later. Oh, that's, that's how I'm going to get in the next time. My friends have been helping me put together a uh, yeah. pitch, so... Once it's confirmed by an editor, and then we talk to Disney. Yeah, I can't afford Disneyland either, but it's one of my favorite places on the planet. I've been to Disneyland's downtown space like six times in the past two months. My friend keeps taking me. She's like, let's go get drunk at Disney. I'm like, where was this in college? I was in Chicago. We Mm -hmm. don't have a Disneyland. But it's kind of the happiest place on earth, so they're not lying. Yeah, and it's just like universal, true. Never been, but I've heard the same thing. That's how, because that was my plan for Horror Nights. Mm. Why do you think I did a horror show? It was all <laughs> an elaborate plan to get into these things for free. Honestly, that's the only reason I started reviewing. And they're like, have you seen the swag bag? So, and I said, oh. And now I, my room is filled with amazing toys from swag bags, from mm. press junkets. So, you know, it's worth it. Our career That whole closet something. behind you is full of that shit. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. I'm getting ready to auction some of mine off. So I know, me too. I'm like, uh, what am I going to do? I mean, I'm I'm finally down to two foam chainsaws, and they're from two different seasons, so I'm keeping those. My Ash versus Evil Dead chainsaws. I like this. I like yeah. the first one is kind of like all Americana. The second one is all evil and bloodshed. I feel like they complement each other well. Yes, thank you. I know, and and they just really brighten up any room. Um, That's the thing, guys. Sometimes you can use your press stuff, but, you know, another man's unused press stuff is another one's treasure. Mm. So, yeah, maybe out of that closet we'll start doing giveaways. I sold a spin top group for 50 bucks, and I was like, amazing. Good deal. Guardians of Galaxy 2. That was a great swag bag. Marvel seriously has the best swag bags. Not to get us too sidetracked, but they know what they're doing. I know, and Guardians Volume 2 sometimes is referred to that movie where I cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you never cry. You cried at Guardians? Yeah, like, well, I am a big Michael Rooker fan, and so spoiler oh. alert, guys, there's some stuff, and then, oh, and that he's, was hard. Beyond is my favorite. They did such a nice job of building up to that yeah. moment, and when it finally happens, your heart is like, no, kind of like in Infinity Wars, where you're like, what the hell? Oh, man. I haven't cursed that much at a screen in a long time. 
Yeah, like, um, since this will come out probably next week, uh, we may hold off on the Infinity War yeah, talk. Yeah, give people a little bit of time, but, but yeah. But I swore a lot. That's all you need to know. Yeah, because I, I, I did this well. That's all we can say. That's, That's why when someone said, should I see Super Troopers 2 or Avengers Infinity War, I said, one of these will make you laugh, and the other one will make you sad. So, no spoilers, so I won't tell you which one. <laughs> you should choose wisely. Yeah. Yeah, because I enjoyed Super Troopers, too. Yeah. I'm looking forward to watching it. Now oh, that yeah. my movie pass, now that I'm done with all my work obligations, I'm just doing a freelancing here and there. I'll be using that a lot more. Oh, yeah. I mean, you ever want a partner? I got movie pass, but I usually don't leave my house unless someone says something. That's why I like the internet. I'm like, I have friends. I don't need to leave the house until someone's like, you want to go bowling? The internet (laughs) is confirmation that I have friends. I'm like, oh, oh, do people care about me? Come on. Look at all these people who follow me on Twitter. I'm important. It's got 23 retweets. Clearly, you're a valued member of society. I have a blue check mark. I'm clearly a valued member of society. Okay. That's Twitter I tell and I are about to box over this check mark. Because really? I found somebody with half of my followers doing the exact same job with the check mark, and I said, "Why? They don't work for a bigger outlet. This is rude." Well, you need to get on it. Yeah, like it is. A, well, I guarantee I only have a blue check mark because there is really only one. My uh, my sign off phrase at After Buzz is just true. There is only one. I mean. So that was probably easier to verify than, mm. you know, a lot of other names. So I'm my really not that special. in my bio, guys. All you yeah. have to do is email that email address. Let me know. I see you. You see me. It'll be great. One day Twitter's going to see me. Yeah. One day. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was about to go into a really dark thing, and I'm like, nah, th- now is not the time to make falling down jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I love falling. Make it. I love that movie, like, because I was actually thinking, yeah, they'll see you whenever you show up to the Twitter office with a gun, and I'm like, wait, 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 this wait. is not the time for this, um, this little falling down bit I was going with. <laughs> I understand um, the pullback, now. I was just at the YouTube space the other day, and I was like, oh, right, like, a mass shooting just happened here. Uh, not That's at that wild. one. Yeah. It, it wasn't at the YouTube space LA? No, it was at the one in San Bruno, or something oh, like that. Damn, it was, was further north. Space. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. YouTube has upped their security, just so you guys know. I felt very safe. Um, But, yeah, Yeah. it's crazy to go to places. Or even around here, two years ago, uh, a guy was threatening to shoot people, but uh, he was trying to commit suicide by police, and so they shot him with a drone bot. It wasn't a drone. It wasn't floating. It was like a rolled-in robot that detonated and killed him. And uh, it's still weird to walk by the Chipotle over here and just be like... That's where that guy died. Oh. I watched it on the news. Yeah, like the news here is pretty well violent and always because there's car chases in L.A. every day. And there have been some where I'm like, I'm <sighs> pretty sure they just killed that guy. But then they've turned off the cameras. And they're like, and that's enough. That's yep, you and like, they I got need him. a resolution. I spent six hours watching this car chase. What happened? Like, that's how I felt about tomorrow. that one movie. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But yeah. And I think even this, like, being able to have these conversations and, like, Infinity Awards coming out the same week really helped with, like, a lot of the depression because yeah. our community as nerds, collectively, we come together to celebrate or bemoan the movies, as it were, and uh, this was one where we could, had a lot to chat about. And yeah. 
once credits rolled here, we were like, oh my god. And that kind of connectedness helps too, especially in times of tragedy when we only want to be near one another, you know, only want to support each other. It was nice to have something else to look at. Yeah, and that is sort of the thing too, is like, it's always good to escape. That's sort of how we get past, like you say. I mean, and then again, you come together as a community. I know last night I only went out because I saw someone post about Infinity Wars wanting to do like a you know, a secret chat, like, for people. Oh, yeah. And I, because they had thoughts and feelings. I was like, I have thoughts and feelings, and I could use, to leave my house, and then I went out and hung out. It's You're like, so oh, brave. Wow. It's hard to yeah. leave a house in L.A. Yeah. Because, like, it's not that there isn't a lot of great things outside of your house. It's just your house, you're already parked. And yeah. at your house, you have to pay out the ass for things that you already have at home. <laughs> like No shoes, no shirt, no problem. Right? Yeah. Going outside the house requires a lot. Um, but I find the reward is usually worth it. Yeah. Well, and that's what I like, too, about, you know, being, you know, part of, like, failing sometimes is you strike out on your own. Like, Absolutely. you have, and, like, you know, I have with this podcast. And it's just, like, we have the ability to do that. And, um, you know, would we have done that if we hadn't really... Uh, had trouble, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I actually think about that a lot because mm. uh, the Legion of Women writers were like, here are a bunch of jobs. Now, these jobs must have been floating around since before my week imploded, but I never would have sought them out. I wouldn't have had the time to do them. I just picked up a gig at Disney for 100 bucks. Like, it's, it's incredible to me the opportunities that opened up because I went through this terrible stuff. And, like, you could choose to look at that as, like, oh, well, you're just doing what you have to do, so, you know, you found a way. But it's what I wanted to be doing this whole time when I was miserable at my job, when I wasn't sure what was happening with BGN, you know, when I'm living in my shitty apartment. All I want to be doing is writing and talking about film and television. And so to have the opportunities, it doesn't really matter to me how they came about. Like, I have them now, and so I get to focus on that and, and really build out my career. It's just, it's, like, I feel like bad things, especially... Failure, it kind of gives you that uh, chariots of fire kind of yeah. spark in your spirit where you're like, all right, I'm getting up. Like, I'm going to have my Rocky moment where mm-hmm. like you knocked me out, but I'm still a fighter. It or is. I even lost this match, but like just by hanging in there. Just he by beat being the a Russian. Contender. I mean, yeah. like, he, he, he loses in part one, but Rocky but comes back. Part two, he comes yeah. back. He yeah. comes back with a vengeance. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like we often skip over... The failure aspect of it. Yeah. People are like, you need to be better. But in order to be better, you have to fail a lot first. And I think there's something to be celebrated in failure. And I, I wish we didn't have such a a negative connotation around failure. Like, oh, you failed. That's bad. It's not bad. That's like a step on your journey. You don't get to be who you want to be or, or get to reach a level that you desire without having first tried and failed so that you can learn how to do it the right way well yeah I mean I don't know about you but I wouldn't even be out here in LA if I hadn't like failed to be able to get a job outside of uh, college (laughs) because I have a black name and um (laughs) it was funny and like that's what actually first got me into stand-up comedy was you know not being able to get a full-time job because every time I'd go in I'd be the only white person there and you were it was obvious that they were filling a quota instead of like actually going after candidates and you're like well, this sucks for everybody involved. Mm. And then, um, so I started writing jokes and doing stand-up from that. And then, you know, you get, and then I decided to come out here after, you know, some more failures in Dallas, like, you know, with different various jobs or things like that or relationships. And it was just like, 
well, fuck it. I'll go out to L.A. I like this comedy thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, sure I graduated you, film yeah. school. I was looking for jobs all throughout Chicago. I was like, maybe I'll work at a camera warehouse. Like, maybe I'll work at a post studio. But none of that was in my concentration. I concentrated on writing. No writing jobs in Chicago. Like, you could maybe work. We have three newspapers. If you're lucky, you could possibly potentially get staffed on one. Other than that, there's a lot of marketing jobs, but I didn't know anything about marketing, and I didn't know how to pitch myself to those kinds of people. So I'll at pizzerias and, like, salons and all kinds of things. And it wasn't until I was like, I will die if I stay in this city. Like, I have to go work. I came to L.A. to try it, and L.A. kind of is this great place that is a humbling equalizer. Like, it does not yeah. matter how good you were in the last place you lived. You're in L.A. now, and we all start from the bottom. Like, we don't care if you have experience in New York or Chicago. Like, none of that matters here. Like, did you work in L.A.? Then you don't know. You need to stop talking. Uh, And it it was, man, it was hard, especially those early years. It was really hard to find my niche, to find where I wanted to be. But, again, like, that failing working at Toys R Us and (laughs) quitting on Black Friday or working shitty, shitty reality TV jobs with... No support, 19-hour days, I crashed my car once because I fell asleep behind the wheel. Like, all of those things brought me to this point. And as terrible as they were, now I know how to deal with them if they happen again. So it can't have been all of that bad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just before I moved out here, I was in a really bad car accident, and my car was totaled. It was very, you know, traumatizing, especially because I'm coming out to a car town in L.A., but luckily, you know, I worked out. I got a cheaper car that was even better, and then... You know, I'm like, wow, had that not happened, I may not have been able to afford things out here. Or, like, you know, you think about stuff like that. Or, as you said, I love that humbling equalizer. Mm-hmm. That really is L.A. Sorry, my cat is rubbing on us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, so at least cute. she's not talking. Like, she ruins podcasts all the time by being like, hey, pay attention to me. <laughs> hey, my favorite murderer makes a whole joke yeah. out of that at the end of every episode. Are you listening to my favorite murderer? No, but I need to because I love murder podcasts because I always try to do like a real horror thing at the end of uh, my yeah. horror show. And that's why people keep telling me to listen to my favorite murder. Okay, well, if you listen to these girls, I feel like you would be best friends. I hope you host them on a panel one day. About their podcast, because their obsession with murder and your obsession with murderers is, like, great. I would check their latest one on the Golden State Killer, because they've been tracking the Golden State Killer for a long-ass time, so they're, like, nearly in tears with just being excited over, like, we know his identity! And they're, like, guessing about, like, what do you think happened when the cops came knocking? Like, how did that work? How did it go down? It's fascinating podcast. Yeah, like, I hear nothing but good things, and, you know, I listen to a lot of like comedy podcasts but I'm like you know I need to like start varying it up because you know when 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 you do a podcast it is logical that you should listen to other podcasts because I find a lot of people want to start a podcast but they don't really listen to them they just know it's a buzzword I have a really big pet peeve with people who are like I'm making a podcast I'm like oh no that's so cool oh what podcast are you listening to that you like I listen to podcasts so you don't you don't know the format of, like, in yeah. general, how a podcast runs, or you don't know if there's another podcast doing exactly the same thing you're doing. Yeah. And also, podcasts are freaking dope. Like, The Read is my favorite podcast. I'm also listening to my favorite murder. Uh, Keep It, Ira Madsen's new one. Uh, N- Nerdiest, uh, which is, um, oh, if he. I can't say if he's last name. Nwahandia, I think is how you say his last mm. name. And then, uh, 
Danny Fernandez, like, great about oh, the yeah. introduction of, like, nerdum and, like, navigating it and everything. But there's just so much information out there and great podcasts for you to not listen to any of them. I mean, NPR is essentially just a radio, a broadcast podcast. Like, yeah, you could, do you listen? No, no NPR either. I don't think you should be here. I don't think that you should be making, in the same way that if you don't watch any TV, I'm not sure you should be making TV. Yeah, and I agree with that because I remember constantly getting disappointed when I would go to classes here. Like, I remember one of the first classes I took was a sitcom class because, like, you know, I'm a comedian, I but I'm not really an actor, but, like, comedians do that, so yeah, I need to really. learn. And, and it was, like, most of the people in there didn't even watch TV. They didn't like comedy. I mean, I remember one guy's like, I watch Mad Men, and I'm like... Okay, but what does that have to do with here? I mean, and and most people don't pay for cable or Netflix or Hulu. They steal it, and it's just like, well, how do you expect to be paid for this? Well, it's just like podcasting. When I started, I had been listening to, like, Adam Carolla, like, several of his shows, yeah, like yeah. the one with Dr. Drew, which, uh, you know, it's very similar to Loveline, or, you know, his own show. He has all these little formats, and I'm like, I love this. Who else can I listen to? And I'm like, I like Chris Hardwick's, which is now ID10T, or you've got a... Uh, Michael Rosenbaum's inside of Michael Rosenbaum's. So totally. funny. Who knew Lex Luthor was hilarious? I know, Cliff. Exactly. But yeah, I'm like, I love stuff like that. But now I'm like, because I used to be the person that in order to keep me up in trips from Dallas to Austin to like work out, like, you know, and audition and stuff, I'd listen to NPR because music makes me go to sleep. And sure. then, so yeah, I was like, podcasting was kind of perfect for me. And it's like, I, I got into it doing this strange LA job of, uh, Fixing chargers at Starbucks from wow. uh, San Pedro to Malibu was my territory. Wow. Which Compton was in between there. And I'm like, Compton's actually kind of nice, guys. Compton but is yeah. nice, quickly gentrifying. Yeah. A lot of cheap houses coming up. You know, maybe support local community and yeah. keeping their houses. But yeah, James lives out there, right? He lives in Inglewood. Yeah, okay. that was also my Starbucks territory for those chargers. That was a weird job. But I was driving around a lot, so I started listening to podcasts. And this was a few years ago, kind of like, you know, a year into when I moved here, where you start having to take weirder and weirder jobs because yes. they become more normal. But yeah, like, and it's just like, ever since then, I just keep growing with the podcast library. And, and, and then you start your own. But yeah, that's sort of the thing, too, is just like, how do you not listen or watch or do something that you want to do? Where do you get that mindset? I don't. Yeah. I'm like, where was I going with that? <laughs> I don't. Well, I think it's a really interesting question because I've been thinking about that a yeah. lot lately. Especially, I mean, I mentioned I quit my job because I didn't feel like I was growing at all. I didn't feel like respected, but I also have very Midwestern parents who are like, "Hey, jobs aren't fun. Yeah, what is this notion that you have of a fun job? That's ridiculous." You work, you go home, you sleep. That is your life. That is called being an adult. That's what my mom says. <laughs> and to, to some extent, I understand. Like, bills have to be paid. Have to be self-sufficient. I get it. But I also don't want to live my life regretting not having tried to find a space that made me happy. But I'm not sure, like, morally where I stand as far as, like, I don't want to do this. But I know that like, it doesn't hurt me to do it. It's my job to do it. I should probably do it. And this is no longer good for me. I need to leave. Like, finding that line, I think, is really a challenge. And I think skirting it or bumping up against it or even crossing it is inevitable. And so 
I think the only way to properly evaluate that is hindsight. Gosh, that kind of yeah. sucks. And, and that is the thing, is you never know. I mean, so many people can only live in absolutes, and that's kind of why they never get out of that box. Mm. I mean, but even then, that box is no guarantee either. It's just they're not able to see that sometimes, but as opposed to, like, our box, the entertainment industry, or, you know, writing, or these harder, you know, jobs to get into, it's like, you never know until you try, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, you, you're either going to get it or you're not, and sometimes when you don't get that, it does lead to other stuff. I mean, yeah. I feel like, I've heard so much in yeah. LA specifically that, like, you get one chance to make it, like, there's one opportunity, and if you blow it, it's over. But it's super not been my experience. No. You know, there's like a thousand opportunities and it's mostly about finding one that works for you and then delivering what you promised. Well, and too, like to that, you know, example of that's clearly not true is think about Robert Denny Jr., mm-hmm. who's someone I've always looked up to. And, um, you know, yes, if we were the Avengers, I would be Iron Man. Um, sorry, friends. I'm Iron Man. I even dress like him. But, yeah, like, with uh, Robert Downey and coming into the Iron Man role, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was his first film that was really a comeback after that huge stint, you know, that he had, you know, multiple arrests, even woke up in a kid's race car bed. That's my favorite part of the story, by the way, because that's just in a neighborhood kid's race car bed. He was found, and that's when he was arrested. You gotta wonder if it's like, was he just too exhausted to make it home to his bed, or was he like, ah, dope, race car bed, home, sleep right now. I like to think the latter, and, you know, and then they ruined <laughs> Ally McBeal. It's like, guys, oh, sorry, I'll get on a tangent. But, yeah, dark back in this dark time when he was on Ally McBeal, and it was really good, and then they decided that they Fox fired him, even though he, he could have, he was out of jail. He could have continued the show. What did but, he go to jail for? I didn't even know this. Yeah, well, in the race car bed, that was oh for all God. the, you know, and he was hopped up on cocaine. But, yeah, like, during that dark time, I mean, getting fired from a show like that is usually a career killer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and too, it's like, it took him a long time after that to come back. But, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang sort of, you know, slid under the radar mm-hmm. and became, you know, a little bit of a cult hit. But it was the part of Iron Man that has launched him back up. I mean, he then absolutely. became Sherlock Holmes. And, I mean, to be honest, he doesn't really have to do another thing in his life because he's Iron Man. he makes... So much yeah. money. Well, that's why people, uh, doesn't matter how many times you fail or, you know, get knocked down. It's, do you get up again? Absolutely. Are they never going to keep you down? Absolutely. <laughs> and again, I think calling a failure a blessing is not hyperbolic. Like, it yeah. genuinely is an opportunity to grow and develop and become something more than what you were. I've been reading a lot about folks who don't believe in strict competition and the idea of competing with others is asinine. Well, especially here when you certainly aren't competing with someone who looks different than you. Like, most of these jobs here are based on look. And it's usually, they're not even looking at you until they've narrowed that down. So I get maybe feeling in competition with, you know... A red-headed girl who's 29 and, you know, funny, you know, likes comic books. Okay, like, that person would be going for the same jobs. But even then, are you not even really competing? It is very much a subjective business. And that's what I don't understand. It's like, um, you're either going to get it or you're not. And that's literally all that matters. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I'm thinking about... 
all the times when I I wanted to push forward and, and uh, achieve and accomplish, but that fear of competition or fear of what folks out here might do or say held me back or I didn't fight hard enough. Like, like even with, like, with FanCon stuff, like, you know, you know in advance, like, that things are maybe not going great or going well. Um, but you keep your mouth shut. And I guess, like, honestly, like, with the girls and talking to them and trying to figure out next steps and where are we going, what's going to happen, we've been talking a lot about when do you speak up? Especially for women or, or black women in particular, like, we have a need to protect one another from a world that isn't always open arms to us, you know, especially in this nerd community, which can be kind of male-centered and male-dominated a lot of the time. Even when you see shifty stuff, and I know you and I have talked about certain people that we interact with before, where it's like, gosh, that person's problematic, or is rude, or isn't even necessarily that great at the job, but at the same time, we're not going to tear other women down, and we're not going to destroy platforms. No, I may not like somebody, and I may not think they're good at their job, and if someone point like asks me, I might give an honest answer of, you know, I feel like they're difficult to work with or something like that, mm. but you're never going to just make stuff up or like, you know, but as I say, you're not going to volunteer that information either. It, you, you don't want to be a liar, and because somebody may come back on you like, oh, why didn't you tell me this person is like right. a raving bitch or a psycho, and it's like... But in, it's like, again, where another line you have to draw. Like, Drawing yeah. those lines is so important. And again, I think failure helps with that. Yeah. Like, if somebody crosses your line, sometimes you don't know until it's crossed. So that failing is just an opportunity for you to say, okay, never again. That was too much. I didn't like that. Um, or two, sometimes, you know, learning that lesson of like, well, if you didn't say something about this, you're just as complicit sometimes. And you're like, okay, you. well, crap. Now I need to learn... I, but it, again, it is hard to say. When do you say something? When do you know? Yeah. My biggest lesson coming out of yeah. this series of failures is don't be afraid to ask questions. It's something I've always had a very difficult time with because I didn't want to come across as stupid. You ask too many questions, people think you don't know what you're talking about, or they see you as amateur. And I was always really worried about that. But my God, not knowing is so much worse. Not, not inquiring about your gut feeling can be detrimental. Like if the yeah. girls from Black Girl and I had talked to each other openly about what we were experiencing, about how we felt, we might have avoided a lot of this pain in advance. If we had asked questions about, like, how, with that amount of money, can we make FanCon possible, we might have avoided a lot of this. And it's it's challenging because you don't want to question everything in your life, you know, particularly if everything is in its early building stages, which is kind of where Black Girl Nerds was coming to a close on its opening, on its beginning. It's been around for about five years. But man, again, knowing it just would have been better. Even if the truth is ugly, even if it's not what you want it to be, eventually that shit's going to come to light. So it's better to know in advance and be able to take action as opposed to just kind of letting things happen to you. Which is always kind of been my MO. I'm, I'm laid back, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm a stoner. I don't want to fight. I don't want to be aggressive. But I think there's a time for aggression and standing your ground. And as you say, drawing lines. Yeah, and that's the thing is I feel like that too because when I was younger, before I discovered uh, the beauty of marijuana, I was very much a always fight your battles sort of person, mm-hmm. very aggressive like in anything. But with marijuana, I learned to kind of chill out and let things go. But there is a fine line of you know whether you know you're just laying back and being a victim and being complicit, 
Or are you stepping up when you need to? Because, yeah, you need to pick your battles. But, like, yeah, with this whole situation, because I know I was aware of some of the stuff. And I started to look, you know, like, what, you know, this doesn't seem right. But I didn't say anything because I didn't want to cause any problems. Because, again, I was going through, like, a new partnership and stuff like that. And you want to trust people. But, you know, that there's the term trust but verify. Well. And, yeah. Yeah. And trust is so fragile. Um I really want to believe everyone did everything they could to make Fanacon a possibility, to make sure BG Uniteds were safe and protected, and to make sure that fans were going to have, like, a weekend they would never forget. I really want to believe everyone put everything into it, but that's not always the case. And being careful about who you trust, I think, is just as important uh, a decision and a part of the learning failure curve, because... You know, here, once you put your name behind somebody or some brand or an object, like, that represents you. That's because yeah. you are also branded content, for better or for worse. Yeah, and that is uh, one of the hardest lessons to learn in this business that's sort of a, a new thing. Because the more and more social media we have, the less and less privacy we have. And, you know, back in the day, you could pretty well protect your brand. I mean, PR was brilliant. And especially when you didn't even need PR because there was only so many um, things out there on television. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, Rock Hudson was able to stay in the closet for, for so long. Forever. And, you know, that's something that is so hard to do now. I mean, just, you know, some, when, but it's also not frowned upon now. But, yeah, which but is you know better. I just came yeah. out? It's interesting to see how... <sighs> People assumed a lot with Janelle that, like, oh, well, she must be with Tessa. We see them on a lot of red carpets together. I think a lot of the lesbian community just really wanted that to yeah, be Yeah, because it's like they would make the cutest couple. They really yeah. would. And they're, they'd be great uh, spokespeople for the LGBTQIA community. They're beautiful, strong women out there doing it on their own. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Janelle, we've been wondering for a long time if she was gay or queer or, or where her her lines were drawn. And uh, as there was a YouTube video the other day, Janelle Monet was there, and she talked a lot about how she tries not to use labels. And the idea yeah. is that labels, while good for other people, for elevator pitches to try to get your money up, are not good for you. Like, they limit what you think you're capable of and how you might move forward in space. So I think, to Janelle's credit, that there's something to be said for... Not just drawing lines for other people, but drawing lines for yourself... Um, that you know are flexible. Like, figuring out who you are, defining it, and then breaking that mold and being like, I can be whoever I want today. There's a lot of value in that. Yeah, because in that too, you know, going back to the point, and almost counterpointing hers, but that is part of her brand, and that was a good way to establish it. Because unfortunately, we still, in this business, they think of us as a brand. Mm -hmm. But if you establish your brand as flexible, then that's great. But that's why, you know, as I've said, you caution people because, you know, a good example of someone who destroyed their brand for not being perfect because their brand was perfect, Tiger Woods. Oh, and God, it's yeah, just totally. like, had Tiger not set up, and, and granted, when he started, it wasn't the world that we live in today. But that's when you, again, you set yourself up for failure when you try to put yourself on this pedestal. And it's just like, yeah, that part you know, that's why, you know, people like Robert Downey Jr. work because he can fuck up. And he can be like, yeah, obviously I'm not perfect, but then get up and, and, and go on. And, you know, I do commend Tiger for kind of coming back. I mean, and he's actually doing well this year. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just like it took him a long time because 
he made his brand inflexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I the idea that your brand should not be perfect. The other thing, too, is, like, nobody works in here in a vacuum. So if what you're pushing is yourself as being perfect, there's going to be a lot of people with, like, tea on you later. Yeah. We're going to know because we helped to build it or somebody helped build it, and they're going to open their mouths again. And it doesn't make sense because I think I still follow people, like, who give their employees or coworkers or whatever praise. Yeah. And I almost follow them more. In fact, I was telling, so I was working with a guy who is white and he wanted to cover something um, that had like queer characters. And I was like, look, you also work with somebody, not me, who is of mixed race, who is openly gay. Why not let them do? Well, it's my internet, the opportunity. It's like a really great, okay, I totally understand that. And I don't want to take away from your work. I'm not trying to cut down on your reel or the things you do. But maybe you could give them the interview and then you support the hell out of them. Let them know you produced it. Ask them a couple of questions. Get your producer credit on. And then you'll have uplifted somebody within that community. That community will see that and respect you. And also, you might still be able to ask them some questions. You can still get in for that selfie at the end for promotion. And it doesn't hurt you at all. But I think all he heard was somebody else will be doing the interview. Yeah. You know, and that's so frustrating, too, because I think, like, again, we can't perform in a vacuum. We cannot be great by ourselves. Like, a lot of people will try to spin that line to you. I promise you, no one, no one on the planet is doing that. Well, and, and two, he's lost the fundamental thing about this business. And the reason that this business is so coveted and it's almost ironic because most people get into it for this reason, and even though it's the opposite is true, is he made it about him. Oh, And yeah. that's what everybody thinks this business is mm. about. But guess what? You know who succeeds in this business? People who don't make it about them. And, like, because, you know, not the humble brag here, but, like, yeah, I had the opportunity to interview Nichelle Nichols, and my partner, who is, uh, you know, an African-American woman, um, only one of us was going to get to do it. And I had set up the interview, done all this stuff, but I'm like, it should be you because it's Nichelle Nichols. And I said, you do it and I'll, I'll film it. I'll take it. You know, we'll take a selfie at the end. It's for, it's for our show. And that was the thing It's it's for our show. And it's just like, look, it doesn't matter who interviews, but it should obviously go to the person whose life was probably more impacted by this woman, even though it's like woman in sci-fi. It's like, yeah, I could make an argument for myself, but it's just like, no, that's selfish. It's not about me. <laughs> that's really awesome. Yeah. And again, I feel like a lot of people will will want to follow you and support you more knowing yeah. that you value black opinions. Like, that to me is like, when I try to break it down to people, I'm like, it's not so much about, like, oh, we need a person of color in here to talk to this person, or oh, we need a person of color's opinion or perspective. It's much more about, I'm trying to tell you something as a, a culture influencer or a writer or however you want to view uh, people who critique pop culture. But they're out here trying to tell you something. They're out here trying to actively be a part of it. And to shut them down and say, my voice is more important than what you have to say, even though I know you're closely tied and connected to this subject. It's limiting. It's short-sighted. It's not going to trend as well. And also, it just makes you look foolish. Well, and too, because I feel like a lot of people want to do stuff just because they want to do it and they want to be seen. And it's just like, why don't you let the person who's going to do the best job at it? Like, because, and guess what? That isn't me all the time. I mean, 
I see people apply for things, and it's just like, I mean, do you even like that? Well, no, I just feel like I'll get to meet so-and-so, or this or that, and I'm just like, no, why don't, why are you taking that from somebody who cares? Why? Also, in a world of fandom, what makes you think that you're just like, if something is going to help you promote or sell yourself, like, you might as well just be spending your time looking at content that you either A, value, or B, know how to be critical of because the other thing is like well, like I don't like it well that's not a criticism you just yeah that's a preference yeah well because some stuff I mean and this is gonna come to a shock for a lot of people not <laughs> everything is for you oh what uh yeah like because here's the thing is like we'll bring up I mean I am not a fan of Seinfeld uh I just never really found it I mean there are funny parts of it great but I was more of a married with children person okay. and I'm like but I don't think that Seinfeld is a terrible show why would I? I'm like, it did well for a reason. It has a different audience than I am. Or, like, as I say, like, I, I'm glad that shows like Fresh Off the Boat, Blackish, like, you know, Roseanne, all these shows exist that are different viewpoints. And it annoys me when people who feel that that, that should represent them, it's like, no, you probably already have your show. Watch that, okay? <laughs> I'm nervous how they handle Roseanne in these final seasons. Like, I don't know how many we're going to get. I don't know the overall story. <laughs> Anxious. I really like the 90s Roseanne. I yeah. love the working class blue collar. Remind me a lot of my family. They're right outside of Chicago. Hello, it's me. Um, and I like that she kind of foul mouth, but also supportive of her children and what they were doing. Um, this new Roseanne, it's just so hard for me to support or back somebody who presents as a Trump supporter. Now, I know this is an act and not her, and that she's absolutely entitled to her own political opinion, but, like, Trump is actively against Mexicans and for sexual assault and for more guns and about less educational programming. Like, everything I stand against, this guy is for. And I don't, I think he's trying to make a last crusade here. Like, oh, you know, I'll participate and, you know, maybe I'll be accepted. Yeah, well, one thing I can say about Roseanne, and I haven't yet to watch the revival, to be honest, uh, but I've wanted to because, and I'll point out the hypocrisy of ABC at the end of this thought, is that... <laughs> The show is produced by Whitney Cummings, and um, Whitney Cummings is also one of the writers. The writer's room is very diverse from all political opinions, and let's face it, it's a writer's room in L.A. Most of the political opinions are going to be more left-leaning. And so, as much as I disagree with what her character says, I feel like not showcasing a character like that, because we have gone through the days of, like, Archie Bunker, and that's what... You know, and this brings me to my point of, like, it is funny how they'll let Roseanne do this show when her character is mm. way more of an outward Trump supporter than, say, Last Man Standing that um, had been canceled despite great ratings, even on a Friday, when it also was a diverse writer's room. The head writer is one of the most liberal people on the planet. Yes, your main character, played by Tim Allen, was a Republican, but... All viewpoints were always displayed. That was actually mm-hmm. most of what the episodes were, where everybody disagrees on something, often political or, you know, energy, but then they all sort of come to an understanding. And then the fact that ABC didn't want that and sort of made that about that, I feel like Roseanne is their sort of reverse, like, you know, because they don't want people to think sure. that's what it was about. But I, I have not seen Roseanne, and I do know they allow for all viewpoints, because, like, Lori Metcalf's character... You know, that's more than, yeah. And everything, yeah. Exactly, and then they had talked about a rift with them, you know, and it, the first episode was supposedly them coming together, but 
that's the part that should be like to the forefront is how these two women disagree and then they come together at the end. And that's what bothers me about people sometimes saying like, oh, like these shows. And I'm like, no, listen to it. Like, it's about people coming together just because one part, like one person may not have an opinion that we like the majority supports. It's we've got to watch and we've got to listen before we judge. I mean, it's just like, I mean, hell, the show Lucifer, you know, how many people were like, hell, you know, the mother's group and everybody was all against this show. And then they finally watched it. And it was like, oh, wait, this is just goofy. This is not devil worship. I no. mean, and that's just sort of the thing is like, it just let yeah. it simmer people, you know, because a lot of it is about people coming together. Yeah. Well, the thing yeah. with Tim Allen, uh, yeah. I don't know if ABC is afraid mm -hmm. or if they're careless because they wouldn't let Blackish air their uh, football players taking a knee episode. They had a whole thing about, like, is it patriotic? Is it yeah. disrespectful? ABC is mean? inconsistent. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I don't mind shitting on that network, even though. I, because, I mean, because all the stuff I know that happened mm -hmm. behind the scenes with Castle that I won't talk about on here, but it's just like. I knew too much, and it's just like, don't pay someone as a victim when they were a bully for the entire time. And I'm not talking about the show's namesake. That's all I'll say. But yeah, and the same thing with the soap operas, is they've always, you know, they'd be like, yeah, we're the most progressive network, except <laughs> in daytime, because God forbid two guys get married, or women kiss, or something. I mean, I feel the same way about Avengers lately. Yeah. Like, we have so many characters, but not one of them is gay openly in a relationship or at least having sex with well, other yeah what is with cap and bucky like I, guys we all know that they um they love each other just let it be they there they, is one line that fan fiction folks are going to use forever in infinity wars i will not ruin it and it's so simple it's one word but my god that moment fueled a lot of people or when they first <laughs> i was sitting next to two girls from nerdist at the premiere and when Cap and Bucky first meet up, they turn to each other and they're like, kiss! And I'm like, this fanship is strong. It is so strong. It's like Dean and Castiel. I know you'll never let it happen, but at least, like, I wish Marvel would play more with it. Because on Supernatural, they play with the Dean A Castiel lot. fans all the time. And it's fun. It, and it can be fun. Yeah. I think that that level of engagement is what's important. And I think that's what's so upsetting. Like, Roseanne, like, accepted gay folks in the mm -hmm. 90s. Like, that was yeah. huge. And that's why I, it's really hard for her to hear Roseanne, the character, not the actress, be like, oh, I support Trump. But it's like, you were so progressive years ago. But, to be fair, it's kind of honest. We're seeing that through a lot of people. I mean, I come yeah. from the Midwest, so I know that, that that's a reality that exists. I'm not anti-seeing Trump supporters on TV because, again, they exist and their stories are valid and worth exploring. But it's hard as a black American to want to engage in that kind of content, especially now when I'm so leaning into escapism content. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I used to be a device and like, let me get the news and everything. And now I'm like, I don't want to be here. Like, take me away to another planet. Well, yeah. And again, I won't spoil anything, but that's why I've been so angry at some of my superhero shows like The Flash or Supergirl lately, because it's like, y'all are supposed to be an escape. Don't make me more depressed. Like, that's why, <laughs> as I'll say, we need more good comedies. And I feel like Roseanne maybe is too real for a lot of people. It's not escapism. Mm -hmm. But watch uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, because even then they'll tell lessons, but it's still a fun, wacky show. Or like oh, Life God, in that Pieces. that show is so good. I yeah. Life in Pieces. Oh, it's great. Okay. I highly recommend it's the number one comedy to me, Life in Pieces, because it's it's so it's a very dysfunctional family dynamic, and it's on CBS. 
Um, sorry, we were right across from CBS, so I pointed like a dumbass. I got you. <laughs> I would have to check out Life in Pieces. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Have you seen, oh my gosh, how do you say the name? Eckhart Suko? No, what? It's a new Netflix show. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's an anime. It's by the same people that own the uh. rights to Hello Kitty. Hear me out. It's only 15 minutes an episode. There are 10 episodes. She's a red panda in her mid-20s <clears throat> who is... Like, just got a job at a corporate office where she works, oh my gosh, uh, uh, accounting like at a mall. Yeah. Oh, do you know? We're, we definitely yeah. have to watch it. Because the best part is, not only is she, it's not like, oh, work, like, yay, love life, woo. She's like 20 and she goes to work and her boss is a literal pig <clears throat> and is evil and sexist and like an awful trash being. And to get out her rage and frustration, she goes and sings heavy metal in the bathroom. <laughs> So she's what the fuck like, is this? It's called Eckhart Suko, and it's like if Hello Kitty and Metalocalypse had a baby. And Aww, as a cute, like, death girl, it's everything to me. Like, I love dark shit, but I'm also like, oh my god, cute dresses! And so it's a like, perfect combination yeah. of, like, dark soul and, like, light heart. And it's wonderful. Huh. That's why I like Supernatural. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's dark soul and cute... Oh my gosh, I interviewed Lucifer's brother the other day. Davey Woodside? Oh yeah, my god, I'm so jelly, he's so hot. He was way cool, um, and he was talking about, like, you know, being a person of color and being on uh, Supernatural, and what is yeah. that life like, and how does that work, and it was like, it's really cool to see a fandom that has stretched now 14 seasons. Yeah. Uh, I talked to another fan the other day, and I was like, look, if I was going to get back into Supernatural... Like, cause I watched seasons, like, maybe two or three through seven, actively yeah. when they were on air, and then kind of just fell out. And he's like, yeah, seven's kind of where it falls off. And it's really seven through, mm, maybe 11, but then you come back, like, 12, 13, 14 are so good. And I'm like, that's it's, so many seasons it's of very not accurate. great, <laughs> of not great television. He was like, yeah, but, Joel, the characters, they're there, and you care. And so you keep, you hold on through the lean times. So, like, I would kill for a fandom. Like, if I had fans mm-hmm. like that who were like... You guys, she's just having a bad three years. She's coming back. I'd be like, oh, thank you, guys. You really believe in me. And I'll be honest, like, a bad episode of Supernatural is still better than a good episode of anything on reality TV. Because... And and that's what I'll say, is, like, there are certain shows that I'll just watch because I've always watched them, Mm. like, until they end. But, like, Supernatural, I will say, especially, like, these past two seasons, it's really come back. Mm. Um, yeah, but, and it's, it's like, they did a Scooby-Doo crossover this year, I still can't believe that. That is crazy. When I saw the images, I was like, wow, they're really doing this. This is full in. I feel the same way about, um... Oh my gosh, what's the cosplay contest show? I can't remember. Cosplay Melee? The one on sci-fi with your technical Oh, no, 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 Face Off. Face Off. The show that brought us Cosplay Melee. Oh, yeah. Face Off is legit my show. Even if none of the designs are good, even if it's like the third all-star year in a row and I've seen all these people, like, it doesn't matter. It's quality. It's the only reality TV show I watch that and then I'll watch Unreal because I worked in reality. Oh, Unreal is like the best show on television. I need I didn't know how much I needed that show as a woman who had worked in reality. The way women are treated, despite the fact that they literally carry reality TV on their backs, like every set I've ever been on, predominantly female, because we have a harder time getting into narrative, and so a lot of us start in reality. And a show with like Constance Zimmer, who just shows out her ass. Like Quinn King week. is the greatest female character on oh, television. God, yep. accurate, cold hearted, and like. 
and attack. She's like a snake. Oh, my God. Yeah, and uh, are you caught up? Oh, God. Okay, well, let's just say, like, I, I know, like, and nobody loves Chet like I do, but just everybody knows, Chet steps up big time for oh, Winnie this snap. season. I'm, I'm all about them. I love I'm, them. I've written off Chet, so. Oh, uh, Chet is, like, the best. It's Chet. Sorry, Chet's out there, but I don't have a lot of hope if you go knocking. I love Craig Virko, because I'll admit, like, I used to really love Sex in the City, and he was the sexy jazz man for, like, two episodes. Sex and the City is a great show. Yeah. There's no shame in liking it i know even though carrie bradshaw does did what we do and there's no way she afforded any of that bullshit i know well i believe you i i try to live my life like carrie bradshaw where i live you know a way above my means as well so yeah that's <laughs> good that damn buy, show i'll buy jimmy chews on my journalist salary why not i have a pair of manolos but i bought them for 40 bucks off ebay <laughs> i love that yeah look at that condensed Bright side. Yeah, it's the bright side. It's like you can live above your means as long as you know how to how to shop eBay, the sidewalks around here. That's how you get furniture. Yeah. A lot of furniture from the sidewalks slash Craigslist people being like, I'm putting yeah. this out in an hour. I'm like, let's load up. Gotta go. It's almost that time again. If anybody has a hint about a TV, let me know. Oh yeah. I need a new one. I know, I got that mic stand, because Sam Ash threw it out, because I used to live next door to there. Yeah. Wow. Huh? Dope. Magic. But yeah, I could talk all, all day about the bright side of uh, dumpster diving, but I feel like that's another episode. That would be an entirely yeah. separate episode. All right. Do you have any final thoughts about the bright side of failure as we wrap up here? If you're just going through failure, or feel like you might be about to go through failure, embrace it. Don't be afraid. Don't question it and don't beat yourself up. Let it happen. Learn. Recoup. Attack again. There is hope after failure. It is literally the only way anyone ever has succeeded. If you don't believe me, pick up any biography of any person you've ever admired. I promise you they failed. The Bruce Epically. Campbell ones are really good. Which one? <laughs> the Bruce Campbell ones are yes. really good. <laughs> Bruce Campbell had a lot of failing. Yeah. And did a lot of things where a lot of people said he was failing. And it turned out to be a success. It was you the greatest never, thing that ever no, happened. No, it happened to me the other day. Somebody was like, oh, I read your articles from two years. I did an entire series on um, CALA, which is California Artists Los Angeles, essentially. Comic Arts Los Angeles. That's what it is. Uh, and it's this huge festival of, like, upcoming, like, newer artists trying to sell their work. And I did it for free because I had the time and because I thought I needed some festival experience. Forgot about it. Got a job based off of it the other day. I thought it was nothing. That's just something I shot into the sphere and no one read. You just never know. Failure is not the end of anything. It is merely a stepping stone. Wow. So profound. Preach, sister. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so where can they uh, find you on social media to keep up the conversation? Yes, please. Uh, I'm Joel Monique and you can find me all over the internet at Joel Monique. That's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. All right. You have any upcoming uh, projects or things? I know it's all oh up in the air God. right now. I was like, anything coming up? Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Slash sci-fi. I will have uh, a couple articles coming up there. Uh, comics anthology. I'll be doing a couple of those. Festivals. Just check my Twitter. I'm going to be posting dates there, but uh, I've got a really great panel on Darkwing Duck and yeah. another one for um, uh, The Voice of Thrawn. 
and do a whole Thrawn retrospective. Is that at Long Beach Comic Con or Palm Springs? I know there's a few coming it up, is... so I was like, I know it was around here. Oh, God. It's a really small yeah. convention further north. It's not one of the main, like, LA oh, yeah. area ones. I'll post so, it on my Twitter, I yeah. promise. Um, but definitely come come check those out. Say hi if you see me around. I'm shy, but I'm nice. So, you know, if I'm giving you a weird look, it's not you, I promise. I'm just, blah, people. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, check my Twitter out. I'll be updating frequently. Well, cool. And, uh, you know, I'm Lucretia Lyon, guys. You can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> You've made it to the end. Again, thank you so much for listening to Mrs. Brightside. As I bring this uh, to you guys for free, it is always good to know that this will continue to stay free. But if you would like to give me money, feel free. I mean, um, my bank account number is seven. Oh, oh wait. Oh, but I do have a Patreon, I think. Um, it's on the Podbean page. I wish I could give you the, the real link, but I obviously don't really work very hard at this, but, um, but I do work hard at the podcast, just not the, the begging for money part, because that bothers me. Although I do like bringing this to you guys, but you know what? You can still subscribe to the podcast. That is uh, great. And that is still 100% free subscribing, getting these every Tuesday, even sometimes uh, noon instead of uh, midnight, whatever. But, um, yeah, you can hit the subscribe button right there or like it or whatever it is on the other apps. I don't know. I just use iTunes. But, yeah, it is on all platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. And um, even I might put this on YouTube. I really don't want to do a video component since most of the time I do this without makeup on. And uh, no one needs to see that. I have a horror show anyway. Um, But, oh, yeah, you know. Subscribe to my horror show. It's a podcast form as well, and you just type in The Red Room when you were typing in Mrs. Brightside, and uh, subscribe to that. The Red Room, your horror news source. That one has a YouTube component, since I have the decency to put makeup on for that. But I am rambling here, so again, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, as I said, you know, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and uh, if you leave a comment or a five-star review or anything... I will uh, shout you out on the show like I did uh, Tanya there. Uh, let's not make her, let her feel alone, guys. Uh, let's get some more comments. Because even if they're mean, I'll, I'll read them like, uh, like Jimmy Kimmel's bit, mean tweets. I'm not above it. I'll do that. All right, see you next Tuesday. <laughs>